0: Well, you guys can have a seat. It's great to be with you all tonight. You know, there are those moments, and I, I'd like for you to show me by the raise of your hand those moments that you have had like this where where your body's cooperating, your mind's cooperating, and you're just totally at peace. You know, those moments, they seem to come and go in our life, but Every once in a while those moments happen, like last Sunday, last Sunday after service, a couple that were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary, they caught me after the service and said, we'd like to uh, redo our vows together. And, and normally, normally I would go and just into a panic, you know, trying to think of the right thing to say and write some vows out for them. And, and so I went to my office and I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so I came back in and we stood, we stood right here. And I simply looked at him and I looked at her and I said, why why are you re-upping for another 25 years? What, what, what is it, what is it that, that causes you to so desire this man that you would want to recommit this? And I just closed my eyes and I just listened. And it was the sweetest, sweetest moment. Later that night, I was here in the room filled with over a hundred of you guys. Welcome back from Passion, by the way. And I, I was in the back of the room and this room was filled with young people getting ready to ring in the new year. And they were in a time of worship and Amanda Nieder was singing that song. It's one of my favorites, I Speak Jesus. And, and I was back there, and, and I just, a calmness was over me like I very rarely feel. And I was just able to take in that moment. A little bit later with my wife, we were silent discoing out on the ramp in the lobby, and, And I didn't think anybody was watching. And in that moment, I've seen a few pictures, by the way, but (laughs) in that moment, in that moment, we had our headphones on and I took her in my arms and I looked her in the eye. And those of you that are married, you know that look that they give you back just every, maybe once every five years or so. Where you know, you know that you're really, you're really one. I I bring that up tonight because I want you to think about those moments in your life. Those moments when you are totally at peace with God, totally at peace with yourself, totally at peace in your relationship with others, And I ask you the question tonight, why can't, why can't those moments last longer? There's a me and there's a you. There is a me that I so badly want to be. And it is the me that God created me to be. And it is the me that is firmly planted in a relationship with him. It's a me that has deeply set roots in the solid ground of the word of God. And tonight, we embark on a journey. In fact, it's our goal, my goal for us this year to uncover what that looks like in a person's life oh yes there are going to be challenging moments that continue to come in my life when that peace evades me for a moment or two but i'm talking about how can our relationships how can our walk with god how can our worship how can our work life how can our dealing with health and other challenges that come in our life how can we do that in a way that is god honoring and find ourselves in that moment where we catch a glimpse of God's intended design for our life well I'll tell you where it begins and where it ends and it's going to be our first point tonight in just a moment after we pray and that is there is a God there is the God and it sure isn't me and it isn't you Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, tonight we anticipate great revelation from your word. We're excited to be in your word again this year from cover to cover. And for the over 70 who join me this week in reading every day, I'm excited for what you're going to do and what you've already done. To see the discussions online, to see young people answering questions and old alike. Grant us understanding, but also grant us the courage to apply what we learn to our thinking, to our living, and may we, may we settle for nothing less than flourishing. Free us from all that's keeping us from realizing our true identity in you as men and women, as students, as seniors, and as individuals. We know this journey begins and ends with you, and so may we choose you anew tonight. It's in the name of Jesus that we come before you already grateful. Amen. Well, the new year is a great opportunity for you to start something with me, and that is I encourage you every week to bring a physical Bible with you and to actually open it up. And if you didn't do that tonight, if you didn't do that tonight, there is one in the seat bottom right in front of you, and I encourage you to take that out, write your name in it right now, you can take it home, you won't set off the little alarms at the doors like you do at Kohl's, right? You don't have to run, you can walk out quietly, but take, take your Bible, make it yours tonight, and open it up with me to the very first chapter, it's the easiest place we're going to find, and that is the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse one. Now all of you, most all of you are familiar with this, but just bear with me, do some underlining, especially if you see some deviations from maybe the way you've heard it in the past. In the beginning, verse one reads, in the beginning David created the heavens and the earth. Verse three. And Susan said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse six, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. Chuck called the expanse sky. Verse nine, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. Verse 16, the stars and the galaxies were spoken into existence. Verse 20, living creatures in the sea. Verse 24, living creatures in the land. Now, some of you didn't notice any difference at all, but there were two or three of you that chuckled, right? You get the point. It wasn't David. It wasn't Susan. It wasn't Chuck there in the beginning that created everything. It was who? It was God. In the beginning, God created, God formed, God defined. But do we live under this reality? Have we really submitted to this as our way? You see, I think more times than not, we live as if we are God, that we speak and something is formed. We decide if a heart beats or doesn't. We define our shape, our metabolism, our sexuality. We declare and we expect all these things to fall into place and be. And every once in a while something happens and we realize just how upside down that thinking really is. The first truth that we are called to come to grips with as God's created. And every one of you, whether you accept the reality yet or not, you are God's created. He spoke you into existence. He breathed the breath of life into your nostrils. And that reality is, is that there is a God, there is the God, the solid ground on which we are to set our roots deep, and it isn't me, and it isn't you, and it isn't the world around you, or a small group of people, or a professor, but there is one true God and living God who existed before recorded time. He has always existed, and he is the one who spoke everything into existence. It is only he who can create something from nothing. You and I, we think that we are creative, but everything that you and I create, we have to have something that he has already created in order to do it. He breathes life into us. I and you, we can only live that life. He is sovereign over all. Nothing touches us except that which passes through his hands. I am only able to control my actions and reactions to those things which pass through his hands. He is the judge of how a life is lived, I choose the way I live knowing I will be judged according to my choices. You see, the reason why the moments I described earlier are fleeting, few, and far between in our lives is because we take control and we take our lives, relationships, guiding principles we live by into our own hands. And that's what brings chaos in our lives on one level or another. Colossians 1:16 reads, for by him, who is the him? God and Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, All things were created by him, and get this, and are for him. He is before all things, and it's only in him that all things hold together. You wonder why things are flying apart in your life? It's because you are creating. You are speaking, not God. When those moments come in our life, as they did for me this past week, and I long to live in that peace and assurance, I'm reminded that there's a God and it isn't me. And that leads me to my second conclusion tonight. And that is he alone defines me. I do not. He defines me. I do not. I want you to think with me about the moments of unrest that come in your life. Those moments when you are dissatisfied. Those moments when you are uneasy. Those moments when you seem to just be living a contradiction. When you self-reflect, what decision, what thought process do these moments all share? boy, there's some music going on downstairs. I feel like I'm in one of those churches, right, where the guy's on the organ behind you. And I, I guess not. I guess not like because it just went away. But I want, I want you to think about those moments. You know, it's, it's okay. They're having a good time down there. Don't be the bad guy. But what do all those moments have in common when, when you think about it? Think about it with me for a minute. When you self-reflect, what decision, what thought process do all those moments share? Don't they share some unmet expectations? Anybody have unmet expectations in their life? Be careful because a lot of those unmet unmet expectations are unspoken expectations to begin with. And they're never going to be met if you don't speak them, right? Unmet expectations cause unrest and dissatisfaction when you question your capabilities or talents and make comparisons don't don't those things bring uneasiness when you feel like the physical doesn't match up with the emotional in your life what, what what do you do who do you turn to for clarification who do you turn to for definition who do you go to for direction God brings peace in those moments, but the world brings more confusion. Please be honest with yourself, at least for a moment, about this reality. Has the world's clarification about desire, has that brought you peace? Has the world's clarification about how to raise your children or how to deal with mental illness or education today, or the world's definition of freedom or government or race relations or justice for that matter? What about the world's clarification about marriage or sexuality or life in general? Has the world's clarification on any front brought peace or satisfaction or wholeness to your life? Please, please, for your own sake tonight, at least be honest with yourself. You don't have to admit it to your parents. You don't have to admit it to me. But at least admit it to yourself that when you have gone to the world with all of this conflict in your heart, whatever it's about, did it bring you resolve? Did it bring you to one of those aha moments? Now I know, now I'm good? Or did you end up spending another couple of days in Wellstone? Did you end up going right back to drinking? Did you end up going right back to just being dissatisfied that you have a feminineness to your voice, but yet inside you know who you are, but yet the two just contradict? Now let me ask it to you this way. Those of you who have dared to apply God's word to your life, has it brought you peace? Has it brought you satisfaction? Has it brought you a wholeness that you have never lived before? Whether that be in your marriage or in your idea of freedom, race relations. If it has, parents, why aren't you telling your children? Why are you leaving it up to me? Why aren't you telling them the truth about these things? Why aren't you taking the road less traveled and encouraging them in the truth? Not just pacifying them until they're 18 and then can't handle it on their own. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and cover all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, I want you to notice, I want you to notice with me the definition just in these few sentences in regard to God's creation of you and me. Notice the definition He created us male. And female he affirmed that identity by the ability to procreate all other sexual relationships the Bible goes on to say are to be abstained from doesn't mean that they don't exist they've all existed they've existed since the beginning when man fell but sex with animals same-sex self-pleasure they're to all be abstained from notice he purposed us and he skilled us for our purpose, right? What's that purpose? To embrace all that God created, all that God has set into motion, all that God has allowed through free choice. That is in front of us as individuals, married people, parents, children, employees, employers, and how to embrace it all is where? Where's the instruction? It's all in his word. Every detail, and we're gonna go through every one of those details. Every one of those areas of our life this year. All of them. But Ephesians 2.10 emphasizes this truth. When Paul wrote, we are God's workmanship, he's the craftsman, Created in Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ was right there. Let us make man, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all present at creation. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of you already have that scripture memorized. We speak it a lot. But Romans twelve three says it this way. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us. We are created by God. Think about what that means. He means that when you he created you and me, he's the master of creation. No one else created a human being. No one else created Trees and water and earth and sky and galaxies. He's the master. He creates something from nothing. The things that man creates, it all comes from molecules that God made first. He's the most excellent, the most exact. He's the most precise craftsman. And you know what that means? That means that everything God created is of value. You. Have value because out of all creation, he has assigned the highest value to you and me. We are the only of all creation that were created in his image, his likeness. Genesis 2 7 says, He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Notice the intentionality in making mankind. All others, he spoke. What did he do when he created man? He not only spoke, but he reached down and he took dirt from the earth and he formed it. When it came to creating woman, he put man to sleep and he reached in and he took a part of man and he made it part of woman. It's it's why we're drawn to each other. There are no accidents. There's instead great specificity. He was intentional when he created you and also when he chose to redeem you and restore you and me. We're God's workmanship in that he redeemed and is continuing to restore us. When we rebelled, when we rebelled today, Against God's authority, God set into motion his plan to redeem and restore us to our original design. He would go on to pay the highest price for us. Many people that I know, especially young people, when they discovered that they were adopted into a family, there's this part of us, part of you who have been adopted that that seems to remain unsettled for a long time. Sometimes you're well up in years before you can even put your finger on it. There's a part of that that comes from feeling rejected. There's a part of that that's just because you don't know, you know, whenever we don't know something, we want to know it. And just not knowing it, we we, we want to know. But I, I want you to understand this concept of adoption because God is the one who came up with it, not us. Long before moms and dads sought to adopt us, young people, into their family, into their home, God modeled it in how he's chosen each one of us and invited us into his life And into his home. And scripture tells us that that brought him great pleasure. That he has no regrets. And so God created us. He he sanctified us. He restores us. He adopts us. And he fits us for service. He gives us a purpose in this life. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose that means despite the imperfections and some of us like to look at those imperfections today in fact the evil one does that he stands next to you in the mirror he stands next to you in the lunchroom he stands next to you in those moments where you are so discouraged and disappointed And he wants to whisper things into your ears that are not true. But God knew what he's doing. And it is God who works in you to will and to act according to those ways that he's crafted you and made you special. See, God knows what he's doing and he uses the tools of adversity relationships, challenges, miraculous interventions to finish what he began. Now I know some people look at me like I've got four eyes. When they come to my office or they call me in the middle of the evening and they say, something terrible has happened. My wife has left, my son has gone off the rails. I took a drink, and I shouldn't have. You name it. When these challenges come, instead of me saying, well, poor you, one of the first things that I say is, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna wanna buy this right now, but you called me. And that is, I wanna assure you that what you have before you is a great opportunity. Every devastating moment in our life is an amazing opportunity. Because with every hardship, with every relationship, every mistake, every bad day, every diagnosis, every challenge brings with it multiple opportunities. The opportunity to experience God's comfort. The opportunity to see a life or a relationship transformed. The opportunity to realize that the choices we make matter, specifically the choice to surrender fully to God and for the first time in our lives to plant ourselves in the soil of his word. And that's where I want to leave you this weekend. I want to leave you this weekend with the choice You see, you and I, we choose where to plant ourselves, and wherever we plant ourselves, we will either flourish or we will die. We will either flourish or we will die. It's one or the other. That word flourish is one that we don't use much, but God uses it. God created you to flourish. He created you and me to receive life outside of ourselves, to create vitality within ourselves, to produce blessing beyond ourselves. To flourish is to be in harmony with God. To flourish is to be in harmony with him, which means that we will in turn be in harmony with other people, with creation, and we will be at harmony with ourselves. Praise God for that, because I can't get over the number of young people today who are not flourishing, who are not at harmony with themselves. It breaks my heart to hear students speak unlike they have Ever spoken in the past about their anxiety, about their depression, about their discouragement? God wants you to flourish. And Psalm 1 gives us a great word picture of this idea of planting ourselves where we will flourish. But it also tells us that if we don't, that we're gonna wither and we're gonna die. And so I want you to turn with me to Psalm one. So we're at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. If you take your Bible and you just let it lay open to the very middle, you're gonna end up in the book of Psalms or maybe just a little bit to the right of that, you're gonna find Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. But go back to Psalms. There's 150 chapters. And I want us to look at the first one. I think we read it this week, about Monday or Tuesday this week. Now, the first thing that I want you to hear is I want you to hear the choice. Remember, that's what we're talking about here tonight. That's what we're going to be talking about in the weeks ahead is the difference in the choice. And tonight, the choice is what? To plant ourselves where? Where we're going to flourish. Blessed is the one who does not plant themselves in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, I I want you to just pause for a minute. And I want to take you back to what I just said a moment ago about those moments when you aren't at peace with yourself. Whatever aspect of yourself you're not at peace with. And I want you to think about the people that you look to to give you direction. Did they give you direction from God's word or not? If they gave you direction from God's word, that is not who we're talking about right now. Right now we're talking about everybody else even a person of authority in your life perhaps who has not applied God's word to their own life and are they not this is for you to answer for yourself but are they not stepping with the wicked are they not standing in the way that sinners take are they not sitting in the seat of those who mock people who do follow God I ask you, why are you standing with them? Why are you sitting with them? Why are you seeking clarification for your life from them when they are what they are? Verse two, but those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. You see, you choose one or you choose the other. And those of you, those of us who choose the other, those who delight in the law of the Lord, those who meditate on his law. What's that mean? That means that when you question something in your life, it is God's word and counsel that you let come over your mind. Paul said it this way. He said, take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. Surrender it to Christ, right? Surrender it to his word. And what's it say? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water as compared to a tree that's not. What do trees have to have? Water. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Now, that meant something to people who didn't get to go to the Walmarts to get their fruit. Because fruit in season is vital to our existence. And my dear, dear friends, (laughs) all of these things that we are so frustrated because we're not getting the clarification, because we're not the person that we think we need to be or ought to be, all of these things, all of these things could be resolved when we plant ourselves and allow God's season and timing, which yields its fruit in season, and then it contrasts again, whose leaf does not wither, because whatever they do prospers. And then he goes on, just to be clear, not so with the wicked. Remember, that's where he started. Don't walk with the wicked, because why? because the world will not stand in judgment, meaning that doesn't mean that they won't be judged. That means they won't be able to stand. The Christian, the one who's planted, you will be able to stand up straight because Jesus Christ will be holding. I've got a picture in my office somebody gave me 30 years ago. It's one of my favorite pictures. It's about this big and it is a tired, weary man with all of his tools in his hands And behind him is Jesus Christ on the cross holding that man up. This is the way that we live. The wicked will not stand in judgment. The blessed will. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteousness. He's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. You spend eternity in heaven, you spend eternity in hell. With the wicked... with those who are planted get the point verse 6 for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction remember you choose where you plant yourself and you either plant where you're going to grow in life and in peace and in alignment with God or you're going to do what you're going to die it's one or the other So there's a God and it isn't me, right? Not sure? There's a God and it isn't me, yes or no? Yes. I plant myself in the truth of his word, yes or no? I plant myself in this church with other Christians, with people who do not mock Christ, and I flourish, meaning my life is in harmony with God. My life is in harmony with others, and I am at peace with myself. I plant myself any place else in this world, and my life is out of sync. And I start to wither, and I die. So which have you chosen? (laughs) Which have you chosen? Let me put it this way. Which have you chosen because you haven't chosen God? Because we all choose. And if you haven't chosen him, if you haven't chosen to plant yourself in him and in his word, then you've chosen not to. There's a me that God created me to be. I want you to say it with me. There is a me that God created me to be. A me that is firmly rooted in Christ. The solid ground of his truth about who I am and what his purpose was in creating me. And now listen, don't say the last part unless you mean it. And that's where I want to live. Do you? Then say it. That's where I want to live. Will you declare it? I know at Passion you all didn't sit on your can like this. Will you declare it? Yes. yes. Then live it. Now, if you'd like to take your next step in living there, <coughs> listen, I want to live there. I want to live so bad where I lived in those few minutes on Sunday that I am going this year, my commitment to myself is to be in God's word every day. Now Sarah says I'm not paying attention when I'm listening to God's word. But I am. I am, and you do too. Whether you play it out loud and go to sleep to it at night, whether you play it when you're driving down the road, or you play it and you read it at the same time, which is the way that I learn best, I'm going to be in his word every day. I am going to stop looking to myself for counsel. And I'm going to stop looking at the people around me who line up at my door some weeks to give me counsel. (laughs) And I'm going to look to the one who made me and purposed me. And when things don't line up, I'm gonna look to him and I'm gonna ask him to help me take my next step in lining them up. And I hope that you'll do the same. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight and thank you for your word. And God, I am so excited about this year. I am so excited that this room is filled on a nasty, dreary day. And Father, nobody went to sleep near as I could tell. And that tells me something. That tells me that people want what I found and want what others around them have tasted. And that is to be able to walk in our own skin, assured of who we are because of who you say we are and who you've made us to be in Christ Jesus. And so tonight, Father, we have... Scene one, surrender their life to you in Christian baptism. And so Lord, I pray for those in this room who have yet to surrender that way, that God, that they will, that they won't put it off, that they'll stop turning to everything else and that they'll turn to the one who says, are you weary and heavy laden? (laughs) Well, take my burden, take my way, Take my yoke, for it's easy. And why is it easy? Because Jesus Christ does the heavy lifting. Father, for those who are outside of a church home, I pray, Father, that they would, that they would trust again, that they would trust you, that you are perfecting your bride, that you are working inside of us, And that, Father, whatever they've experienced that would cause them to want to run the opposite direction, that they would run to you and that they would know your church and that they would continue to be transformed by the challenges, by the exchange, by the relationships and the struggles that come with working with other people. And, Father, for those who who just need a quiet moment to talk to you. And maybe someone with them to help put it into words. Father, may they receive that tonight through one of the guys that will be in the back or little old me up front here. That, Lord, you would enable us to be able to lead them to you in a conversation. Father, whatever needs to happen tonight, we trust you with that. Help us to stop trusting ourselves. We're not doing well. In Jesus' name, amen. Come.